0: This is Debo Samuel slash Wideback, and you're listening to the Buzz.
1: You are listening live to WSBU's coverage from Super Bowl Fifty Seven Radio Row in Phoenix, Arizona.
0: Phoenix Convention Center in Phoenix, Arizona, live from Super Bowl 57 Radio Row, it's Seip and Smithy here on WSBU 88.3 FM, The Buzz, Tom Seip, along along with my good friend Tyler Smith. Tyler, a great day so far here at Radio Row, so many people around, and it's been
2: packed. Yeah, today, things absolutely picked up. Obviously, Monday, Tuesday, a bit of a quieter vibe uh, around Radio Row. but you know, as the week progresses, more people start flying in. I mean, today today alone, I've seen you know guys like C.D. Lamb, um, Christian McCaffrey, uh, a lot of a ton of NFL talent, but also uh, a ton of media talent as well. We saw the ESPN crew uh, rolling in, Dan Orlovsky, Mina Kimes, a bunch of talent here today. And it, it, as the week progresses, again, we're only going to get better.
0: Yeah, so far so great um, here at Radio Row, and it's only Wednesday. Um, so excited. To see what else happens this week earlier in the program, uh, I guess. Um, you know, Nate Solomon able to talk to Kyle Larson, a few other the guys, um, you know, hopping on throughout the day. So uh, a great start um, here the day three on Radio Row. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited to keep it going. And uh, But first,
2: before we have any of our interviews on th- this show airing today, um, we got to talk some football, man,
0: for yeah. real. Yeah, for most real. most definitely. And, you know, I feel like we haven't done that enough, um, you know, throughout the first three days. And, you know, I think it's interesting, right? The number one seed from both teams, Kansas City and Philadelphia. If people, you know, questioning Philadelphia's route here, saying that they didn't have the strongest of schedule, had some easy playoff games, have gotten a little lucky. The Chiefs, you know, just always figuring out the way to get here. And, you know, both teams had a great regular season, obviously. Uh, you know, both going 14-3. and three. Um, And then both had different paths. Um, You know, to getting to this point, Chiefs played in two pretty close games. Mm -hmm. Um, Eagles kind of dominating in their first two. Um, But are these the best two teams from the AFC and the NFC? Obviously, it's a stupid question because they won, but I don't really think it is. You know, is it – was it always going to be Kansas City and Philadelphia?
2: Um, It's interesting because I I do – I, honestly, I was, uh, I was a big fan of your Dallas Cowboys for a lot of the year in the mm. NFC. They they eventually, you could see the writing on the wall there as, as the season was winding down. The regular season was winding down and then into the playoffs. But uh, I, I, I kind of you know, ate my words. I, w- I was one of those guys who who thought Philly was a bit overrated because they hadn't beaten, you know, the top-tier talent uh, in, in the NFL. You know, they were playing a lot of teams under 500 uh, early on when they were undefeated uh, in the beginning of the season. But uh, I, I, assuming, you know, they they made it now. On the other side of the AFC, Kansas City. I think every year now that Patrick Mahomes plays football, and if it's in Kansas City, I don't think there's any reason to take anybody else uh, out of the AFC, in my opinion. But hey, obviously Cincinnati made it last year. They they're Burrow's fantastic. You have the Jaguars now coming up with Trevor Lawrence and his group of weapons, only getting better every year, and obviously closest to home for us the Buffalo Bills but yeah. I kind of wanted to talk about the Bills a little bit because they're in a position right now where you know they were the overwhelming favorite they were the fan favorite they were the yeah. they were the betting favorite heading into the season to win the big one and you really saw them kind of fall apart toward the end of the year what really went down in Buffalo and did you, do you think that they had a chance you know coming in oh the
0: entire season I did and yeah. I was hoping if they did because it'd be great for us absolutely <laughs> you know out here Um, In Phoenix, but yeah, I mean, they were the overwhelming Mm favorite for a long time. Uh, Their roster has only improved the last three years, at least I believe. Um, But I don't know why they're just not able to, you know, take that next step. Uh, I mean, I was shocked when they lost to Cincinnati, if I'm being honest. I I was as well. Uh, You know, I I wasn't too high on Cincinnati as everyone else was. I know that that they were, uh, you know, the reigning AFC champions coming into that game. Um, But I really thought that it was going to be Buffalo in that one, especially in Buffalo. Um, I know that was in the w- snow. Yeah, I know. Th- I know that was a rematch of the five minutes that was played on Monday Night Football earlier in the year. Um, but yeah, just uh, I was a little shocked. I just don't understand how they're not able to break through. I think Josh Allen has the ability, um, you know, to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. I don't think that's a question. Uh, people question his decision making at times, but really, I, I don't. I think that he's definitely a quarterback that can lead the team to a Super Bowl. Uh, I'm just not sure that why all the pieces aren't connecting. It's interesting because you know. You look at last year's AFC uh,
2: divisional game against Kansas City, and it was a spot where, you know, <laughs> you go to overtime, get the 13 seconds, all, all all that nonsense. Kansas City scores first in overtime. Bills don't get the ball back. Um, and then you saw in that game really the breakout emergence of Gabe Davis. Mm-hmm. People pegged him as this big-time wide receiver too, going to really compliment Stephon Diggs well this season, and we really didn't see that. He scored a touchdown opening week. Uh, had a r- couple of really uh, spike games on a, on his resume, but overall he did not have a consistent body of work. And Josh Allen really suffered because uh, uh, of his inability to to really, you know, s- not only separate, but you know, run run routes other than other than go routes. Uh, you know, what he was so famous for in that Kansas City game, he didn't really have that dynamic yeah. uh, element to his game. And uh, on the defensive side, I mean, if we're just if we're talking about solely players right now, because I'll, I'll get to the coaching staff in a little bit, but on the defensive side, man, I mean, you lose Von Miller. You know, 11 games into the season or whatever, and he's going to be out till about mid-season next year. So, yeah. the pass rush was not there whatsoever. You look at the Cincinnati game, and I, you know, may- maybe this is on the players, maybe it's not, but you know, the way that they were lining up, uh, and, and they, one, they got no pressure on Joe Burrow and his ragtag group of backup offensive linemen, right? And on the other end, the linebackers, the second and third level defenders. Lining up basically at the sticks, like they yeah. were back so far, backing off of of the Kansas City. We- I mean, not the Kansas City. Excuse me, the Cincinnati weapons that it, it Jaburo was able to get, you know, a 10-yard check down every single play, and and it, they really fell apart defensively, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and just to go back to Gabe Davis for a second. You mentioned all the expectations coming in. I feel like that happens a lot, especially in football. When I mean, he was tremendous in the Kansas City game, um, you know, a year ago, and then obviously everyone just expects that. He was able to keep continue playing at that level, which mm-hmm. just wasn't a realistic expectation, in my opinion. Listen, he's a good wide receiver. I mean, yeah. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Any team would like to have a player like him, you know, on the depth chart. But you know, I think the expectations were set too high because of one game. I feel like that happens a lot in football, and maybe that happens for Buffalo because they went out in excruciating fashion. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially last year and, and even the year before, and just seeing them, you know, lose some tough games, and they're like, oh, well, this is the year they finally break through. And this year, um, and they even go down and. Excruciating fashion, it was a kind of a beatdown. Oh yeah, and, and the score—I mean, what did they lose by? Did they
3: lose
2: by seventeen, ten, something like that? It yeah. did not. Uh, whatever scores. the whatever the score was, it was a two-score game, and it did not indicate how how wide the gap was in, in yeah. that game. Cincinnati was the well-oiled machine. They looked like the home team that day, very comfortable playing in the in the Buffalo snow. So, I mean, man, it, the Bills looked like the, all the wind was knocked out of them. It looked, looked looked like they were ready to ready to go home, ready to take a trip to Cancun or or, or, or something like that, uh, you know, as, as the season winded down because, man, you know, even even like I said, Gabe Davis, good receiver, but I mean, there were some plays in that Cincinnati game that he really needed to make and he didn't make them. He, he there was some, there was a bad drop on fourth down. Um, it, it, you know, they, their weapons did, didn't make it happen. I mean, you know, Stephon Diggs after that game was frustrated because, you know, Allen wasn't looking his way and, you know, toward the end of the season and in, into the playoffs, um, we really saw the Josh Allen of old more so than the Josh Allen that we saw, you know, in the beginning of the season and last season as a whole.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting because we've been here, um, you know, previewing the Kansas City Eagles Super Bowl, and we've been talking about the championship window for Kansas City. And, you know, I've heard a lot, like, the window isn't closed for KC when you uh-huh. have Pat Mahomes under center. And that's a realistic, you know, Thing think for a lot of quarterbacks, to feel like, you know, ov- over the time being, not not currently, oh. you know, Tom Brady. Yes. You know, whenever his he's window is never closed. You know, the window is never closed, even if he's forty. Peyton Manning, window no. is never closed. Exactly. Drew Brees, I mean, he only won one, but the window really was never closed. They were always in the playoffs. Exactly. So you could see that for a lot of people. I don't know if that's the case for Josh Allen. I mean, listen, he's an otherworldly talent. I think he's a top, you know, three quarterback. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if the window is going to be open for him as long as he's under center. Just the style of quarterback he plays, mm-hmm. and I know that's I think that's overrated a lot too when people you know talk about how you know reckless he might be, um, you know, on the field. I, I love the style of play. It means he, he's a competitor. He's absolutely a competitor. But the thing is, I don't know how long you know he can keep up that style of play, um, you know, as the years continue to progress. So I don't know if I could you know deem that for. You know, Buffalo. Hey, as long as you have Josh Allen, you're you're in contention. Contention. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Well, listen. I mean, I I think I think
2: it is true because, I mean, as long as you have Josh Allen, I expect Josh Allen to be playing at a high level. Sure. Um. I you know they they have him s- under contract for the next six or so years, uh, p- paying him big money, obviously, which he w- very well commanded. Um. But as long as he's on the field, I mean, I I don't see him, you know, even if he wasn't uh, such an aggressive runner or such a talented runner like he is, I mean the way that he's evolved in the pocket over the past two seasons now, you know, he did kind of go to his ways of old, like I said earlier, uh, you know, in, toward the end of the season and in the into the postseason, but uh, you know, he's very much evolved as, as a passer from the pocket and, and you know, if he has to relegate and, and and eliminate some of the rush rush attempts that he does have or some of the hits that he does take while, while rushing, then, uh, you know, I still expect him to be a top tier quarterback, regardless uh, of how of if you know rushing becomes less of a part of
0: his game. And then you mentioned how you want to talk coaching. You know Sean McDermott. Um, you know he's been great for Buffalo. Kind of helped turn them around. Right his yeah. first season, turn them around immediately. But how long, you know, can you continue to maybe rely on a coach that you know? Listen, he has a good roster. And they've been a letdown a little bit, you know, especially this year, uh, last year not being able to break through against Kansas City, The year before against Kansas City as well. Three tr- straight years where they, you know, the expectations were higher than wh- where they finished. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? You know, is the deal in Buffalo at the head coaching position?
2: It's interesting because I mean, Sean McDermott to me, he's never really been a guy who, you know, takes a game and and, and really dissects it and and. and goes for the X's and O's and makes these decisions. He's a motivator. He he he's a he's a culture changer. Yeah. And that was great for them. That's exactly what that that city needed at the time. It's now time to execute and I don't think that he's been able to do that. He's made questionable decisions in that AFC championship first half against Kansas City two years ago. He made questionable decisions in the divisional round against Kansas City this year, or I mean not next year. Not, the last year, excuse me. Uh you know, with the thirteen seconds and all playing playing pretty much Deep coverage when you know you have a guy like Tyree Kill who can make moves in the open field, um, and this year again, I mean, I, I I didn't see any adjustments from from Sean McDermott not only uh, toward the re- end of the regular season but in that Cincinnati game. And I mean, they, they had no business winning by three against a Miami team with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Like they, yep. I, I, it's absurd that this team was rolling everybody. Like I mean, like you look at the first two games, they rolled the Rams, a healthy Rams team, and we know. How L.A. finished, but a healthy Rams team in Week One, a team like since uh, Tennessee in Week Two, they just beat them by 50, or 40, whatever it was, and, and they didn't punt at all. Like they were such a well-oiled machine, uh, ready, you know, to enact their revenge over those 13 seconds. But with with Sean McDermott at the, at the helm, I don't see you know, the strategy. I don't, I don't see the execution of these of these games, and, and you're, you're, you know, you've s- we've seen that for the past three years.
0: What do you think the window is for Buffalo? Do you think, and what do they really need to do next year, you know, to try and execute and you hoist the Lombardi Trophy in Buffalo. Finally,
2: I mean, man, they—if you look at how much they've invested into their into their D line and their pass rush, man, like because like you can't win a Super Bowl without without at least a above average pass rush, in my mm. opinion. Buffalo does not have that right now. Look how many resources that they've dumped in, like draft picks, free agent pickups, trades. They've bring they've brought in a lot of guys who haven't really moved the needle, and they're paying a guy like Von Miller twenty million a year, and. He's not going to be on the field for the first eight games or so of the season next year, mm-hmm. so it, it's 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 very interesting. You have to be able to upgrade in in that regard. Uh, obviously, Greg Russo took a took a pretty big leap this year, and uh, again, you know, Josh Allen's weapons were were vastly overrated in my opinion. I mean, Stephon Diggs obviously a top three, top five receiver yeah. uh, in the NFL, but outside of that, man. You got you know you got guys coming out of retire you got John Brown coming out of retirement to, uh, you know down the stretch of the season for you you you're not really in the in the grit in the best shape offensively that that offense did not impress me too much you know you, you, you keep your offensive line around because they've been pretty good um, the running game James Cook's pretty promising but they really don't have a good balance in that regard um, so it's what it's one of those situations where they're kind of stuck as well like I don't know what major upgrades or what really moves the needle for them to make the Super Bowl, but maybe a, a couple of
0: marginal things will, will get the job done. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what happens this offseason in Buffalo. It's definitely a team that you know continues to be on the rise but hasn't risen mm-hmm. yet, if that makes sense. So that's enough Bills talk for here today on Radio Row Day 3. We're at about just a few days away, four days away from Super Bowl 57. We're going to take a break. Here, as you're listening to Cypress Smithy on WSBU 88.3 FM,
1: The Buzz.
3: Oshunayi goes long,
1: and that's it. St. Bonaventure wins the Atlantic 10 tournament. It's a body party. 88.3, The Buzz.
0: This is Debo Samuel slash Wideback, and you're listening to The Buzz.
1: You are listening live to WSBU's coverage from Super Bowl 57 Radio Row in Phoenix, Arizona.
3: Fusion on Main is Allegheny's most modern bar and restaurant in town. Located at 115 West Main, Fusion offers a fine variety of appetizers and entrees as well as a stocked drink menu. Mary and Aaron are constantly offering new daily specials which can be enjoyed while watching the Bonnies this season on the three TVs behind the bar. You can check out Fusion on Main for a great night out with friends. You must be 21 or older to consume alcoholic beverages.
0: All right, we're back here on WSBU 88.3 FM, The Buzz. Tom Slipe alongside Tyler Smith and joined by Chicago White Sox relief pitcher Joe Kelly. Joe, pleasure having you on.
3: Tom, Tyler, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, you guys are good. good spot for you guys to be in, obviously, here at Radio Row. There's not very many uh, kids your age and, and people who get the chance to do this. So yeah. Yeah. congrats. You know, it's going to boost your guys' career. Um, but thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for coming. Listen, I've been looking for an excuse to talk baseball all week. That's what I'm telling these guys, man. I'm like, how the heck? You guys are, this is your fourth day. You're going to be here three more days. How Mm -hmm. do you talk about the same thing over and over? They're like, well, that's why we asked if you could do it. I was <laughs> like, all right, yeah, mix it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of these guys are football guys. I'm a baseball guy. Okay. So that's why when I saw you, I was like, well, this yeah. is the guy we got to have over. Because um, first of all, you're so outspoken about baseball yep. and how we need to continue to um, you know, build the sport. But first, yeah. I want to touch about the book okay. uh, that you wrote, uh, Damn Near Perfect Game. Yes. Um, can you just touch on you know, how you kind of came up with the idea to write the book and what it's about a little bit?
3: Yeah, so it's called A Damn Near Perfect Game. Um, comes out the 28th, so, mm-hmm. I mean, you can pre-order now on Amazon, you know, you can get it Barnes & Noble when it comes out anywhere. But so it it, it kind of was something that was pitched with my co-author, Rob, when I played with the Red Sox, right? So he worked for a, a, a big station called WEI out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we became good friends, right? So, you know, I ended up leaving, going to L.A., um, and so the lockout happens. And, and during the during the pandemic, he's like, man, you're, you're great with words. Our podcasts always do great. Any podcast you go on does great. Um, you're truthful and transparent, and that's what fans like, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "When you're done, let's write a book." I said, "Yeah, when I'm done playing baseball, we'll write a book, no doubt." Um, and so the lockout happens, right? Uh, and me being from LA, you know, obviously, Dodger fans, you mm-hmm. know, came to love me as a as a as a person. I'd say more than a player, um, but they're like family, right? So. I would go get my hair cut, i get the same question, I'd take my son to school, get the question, you know, pretty much anywhere I went, gas station, grocery store, um, the same question I got every day was, you know, when are we going to play baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then you get little comments like, what are you guys doing? You guys are greedy, you know, you got the billionaires versus millionaires, you, mm-hmm. you guys are hurting the game right now. Um, and... I didn't have enough time in the day to talk to every single person and tell them this is exactly what's happening and this is why we're fighting for it, for the guys that came before us, for the guys that could come after us. Like, So, I started getting a little bit irritated, right, um, you know, week goes on and, you know, get the same thing at, you know, my son's baseball game, I'm sitting in the stands, just want to watch him play or I'm coaching mm-hmm. and it's like, whenever you guys start back up, I'm not watching. It's just little comments. I'm like, wait, what? You're not going to watch? He's like, yeah, you guys are just, you can't come to an agreement, blah, blah, blah. Baseball's going downhill. yeah, And so, you know, I was not too happy about most of the comments. And I don't have any kind of social media platform, right? So it's not like I could, like, voice my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, for people to see or, or anything like that. And so I felt like writing a letter, it pretty much was a letter to the baseball fans, right? And, and, it, and it was called Don't Give Up on Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a copy, actually, in the book. And, you know, it was from the heart and, and pretty much explaining, you know, why we need the fans, why the fans need the game, you know, like just going through memories of when you're a kid, you know, you go to a baseball game with your dad and you know, you might play the game for 10 years, but you don't know why some things are happening. You know, why are you throwing this pitch at this part? Like what's a double play? What's, why is this guy bunting when, you know, so there's so many mm-hmm. things about it that you learn from your father and going to the game and, and having that connection. And so I wrote this letter and the times ended up picking it up and, and it, and it did well, you know, people loved it and they're like, dang, this is great. This is great writing. Um, and so Rob came back and he's like, "Hey, what about writing the book now?" Yeah. And I said, "Okay, why?" And he goes, "Because the the piece in the Times was was great, and publishers are like, if you write the book, we'll pick it up." I said, "All right, let's do it." So it was a it was a, a multi years in the making. Um, you know, probably two a little over two years. Uh, but when push came to shove, when we finally got a publisher, you know, we wrote it in a few months. Um, every day grinding. So pretty much to sum it up. It's like I love podcasts, so it was very very easy to read so it's like listening to 10 podcasts in chapters right so it's okay. a, i kind of say it's like a, a a legible form of of, of a podcast you can read it so i mean it, it's fun there's got you know some of my teammates some famous actors some a-list you know blink 182 it's all different aspects of regular people to athletes like about how they fell in love with the game to you know what makes baseball great for me it goes through obviously my suspensions my fights um, everyone knows the famous Potty face, so that's chapter Sorry. one, right? We just <laughs> go right to it. Uh, teaches you how to coach, how to become a better parent. You know, I coach. So, you know, trying to push kids in the right way and then don't get mad at them for some, certain things and make them hate baseball, make them hate football, make them hate, you know, soccer, whatever they're doing. Um, and what's really interesting is what's one of my favorite chapters in the book. It's me and Rob Manford, right? So... Um, I I don't know if there's ever been another player who's sat down with commissioner unless it's a bad thing, right? And so Mm I asked him, I said, hey, you want to be in the book? I'm writing a book. Mm -hmm. And he goes, sure. And so that chapter is completely clean, right? We didn't edit anything. We didn't take out any words. um, And I think it's going to be great for for fans, owners, uh, players when they read it. Um, Me going into it, I obviously had a – I'm not going to say hate, right, because that – is a really really strong word i mm-hmm. did not get along with rob right so sure you know he suspended me eight games in a 60 game season which is unheard of yeah. it's the biggest suspension in all sports history mm-hmm. um and so i had a chance to talk to him and ask him questions and he was transparent and we go over the rules of the game we go over like i'm like why 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 did you lock us like there's just so many things about it when to sum it all up when we came out of this thing i ended up feeling for the guy I like the guy. I have his cell phone number. I could text him, like, hey, this sure. is a great day for baseball. And he is actually doing a great job at his job and pushing the game forward. Like, you've seen just last year and this year, you know, we signed Apple TV deal. We signed a YouTube deal. So, like, we're honestly growing the game. Like, he's he's actually putting his foot forward. And, you know, I... For one, you know, he called the trophy a piece of metal, right? And what people don't understand is when you read that, right? When you just read something in the paper, you don't know what kind of tone it is. And so after me talking to him, he's very witty. He's like me. He's very quick. He's very quick to talk shit. He's very quick to understand something. But if you would only, like, if you didn't hear me talking, you'd only be like, man, cancel this guy. He's saying that crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, yeah, you're right. But, like, when you know the context and you hear it, it's different. And so... They just misunderstood him, I misunderstood him as a player, and he's actually now talking to more teams, more guys, like, what should we do about this, do you guys like this rule, and, you know, like I said, I had a change of heart for him, um, but the book's full of great things like that, and and from players, my teammates, uh, but, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's great to hear that you have that conversation with him, first of all, because I know so many fans have been
0: maybe outraged, right, Uh, maybe how he handles things. Um, but really, just going back a little bit, I mean, listen, baseball is America's pastime, right? Why do you think fans have been so frustrated? You know, obviously, maybe when they're expressing some frustration with you, you know, during COVID, maybe that's a different situation. Yeah. But as a whole, just about the sport itself, why is there you know, so much outrage
3: towards Manfred and towards the sport as a whole? Because they love it. I mean, if you did love something so much, you would care less, right? Sure. You wouldn't even budge with it. Sure. Because we have so many fans that are so passionate about the game, right? And... For instance, baseball. Let's boil it down to to little league. More kids play that than football, basketball, soccer mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. But when you get look at the views, it doesn't translate. Correct. So there's a disconnect in, in between there, and it's something that we talk about. I had ideas how to grow it. He has ideas. Um, and if you didn't, if people didn't love it so much, they wouldn't bitch. So like, they are passionate about it. That's why they they verbalize it. So. Um, you know, it's good. You, there's ideas in there, like how to grow it. You know, number one, which there's billionaires all over, all over baseball. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. the owners. So, I mean, we're trying to, which I told Rob and he agrees, you know, how do we weed out? Not, it's not a bad thing. It, it's not good either. But how do we weed out the the long TV regional network cable deals? right? So, like, you know. 20 million people in a 10-mile radius in Los Angeles can't watch the game unless they subscribe to this regional cable yeah. network, right? So you can't even watch the game from your MLB app. They're blacked out. Yeah. And so how do we get away from that? And, and we're slowly are. That's why we do the Apple. That's why we're doing, you know, the Game of the Week. That's why we're doing the YouTubes. But you kind of are stuck, and you can't really grow the game as much as you want to until these deals, the time runs out, until they expire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we pitch ideas like that, like, hey, I'm a big basketball fan. Luckily, it's happened last year. We got a new owner, Steve Cohen. Everyone knows they got the luxury tax, yep. Cohen tax. <laughs> I was like, before that happened though, I was like, why are none of our owners like, you know, Balmer or a Cuban, or why are none of our owners sitting front row? Why are none of our owners yeah. giving away all their money? Why are, where why when are we gonna be able to get the young billionaire who's hip that owns a tech company? When are we gonna get a guy like Elon to buy a team? Like, and he's like, you're right. Like, He's not saying we need to weed out the older owners, but. When their time is done and they want to sell a team, I said, you got to make sure we sell it to the eccentric billionaire, right? Who will... That grows the game itself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we want we want all these teams to spend as much money as they can. Sure. Because it's, it's fun. Like, Balmer's playing with Monopoly money. He doesn't care. He's a billionaire. Yeah. He's like, so what if I waste money on this investment? Like, I'm doing it because I want to win. I'm not doing it to make more money. Owners own a team because they already made their money. But half the owners that we have right now are... Kind of lost that mindset along the way. Like they forgot that they already made their money, and then somewhere along the line, they think that owning the team should make them money. But no, you own a team because you have a billionaire friend. I'm a billionaire. We both have private jets. The difference between me and you, I'm a cooler billionaire. You know why? Because I own a team. Yeah. It was s- something to show your friends, like, hey, look at how cool I am. Come to my park. Like I own this team. Yeah. But now it's like these guys forget that, and they're like, how do I make money off it? No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. You already made your money. Yeah. Like you're doing it to be the cool guy. Like, you own Microsoft, but yeah, you don't own the Lakers. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. You might have more money than me, but I have a team. Sure. So, like, that disconnect kind of got lost around the way Rob, Rob admits. He's like, we're, we're going to go through, like, when they sell teams, we want to sell it to the eccentric guys who are like, I don't care. I'll always have my money. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's a good way to grow the game. And, and for the fans, it's, it's going to be huge too. So, you use Steve Cohen as an example. Do you think he's, you know, trending in that right direction that he is good for baseball i think he's great for baseball look at, i play against the mets all the time right Mm -hmm. like i'm on the white Sox, but when i see all this going on with the mets i'm like dang that's sick like i forget i have to play you know what i mean i'm like dang this steve cohen guy's good but that's not my boss but like i feel that and i'm a i'm in the sport Mm -hmm. like as a fan god that's gotta be so exciting like a mets fan like every day in the offseason like i can't wait i can't wait Mm -hmm. like he's spending it all like that brings fans to the stadium, that brings talk, that brings excitement. And the more you do in baseball, because like I said, more, more people, more kids play this game more than any other game, more mm-hmm. than flag football, more than peewee football. Um, but why don't we get the eyes? And there's a lot of reasons why, because we somehow in the day sold out to these TV networks where they own the team pretty much. And you can't watch it over here. You can't watch it over there. And so that loses a lot of views, and that's why views are down. That's why only old p- older people watch so, so well. And it's not cool, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We don't have like instant clips like a uh, guy gets knocked out in the fight instantly on Twitter. And yeah. owns these weird rights. So like, you can't upload anything without copyright infringement. So we need to start getting away from all those and, and push the game forward. And, and like I said, in the book, the whole chapter on Rob, uh, I think it's chapter seven, maybe, uh, we talk about all those things, and, and it's, go- it's going in the right direction for sure.
2: Yeah, and you know, you talk about you know the the way that you know so you touched on it there the social media aspect uh, of of how you know instantaneous some highlights go up there and, and they get a lot of traction. You know, what do you think has to be done in that scenario, and what you know things do you, would you like to see being thrown around social media? Because you know you talked about Steve Cohen as well. He was engaging with fans yes. on social media for a long yeah. time, and that was something that was pretty unheard of uh, yeah. at, at the time. So, what other social media initiatives do you think could could really help grow the game and get more eyes on on the TV?
3: Let go of the, the, the copyright laws, right? So I don't know if you guys know, but this guy Rob in my book, Friedman, he is known as the pitching ninja, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Viral. So he w- what he did was started just filming pitches, spin rates, analytics on his own. And he started to blow up, blow up, blow up, blow up. And then one year, MLB goes, they took him off. They yeah, banned I him because it was illegal. Mm-hmm. And that's bad for the game. Guys like him are great for the game, right? And so... MLB finally came back and was like, hey, we messed up. We lost, we had so much backlash. Guys are tweeting at MLB like, bring Pigeon Ninja back. Mm -hmm. And so they're they're like, what if you work for us? He's like, well, I like doing what I want to do. I don't want to work for you guys. They're like, well, what if we contract you? And you can still be whatever you want. He goes, great. And so they finally let loose a little bit on those little laws, but like now they need to do that for every team, every market. Um, You know, I said it before, like, Matt a pitcher in, in our book, has a great example. He says, uh, they, were playin- they were about to play the Padres, right? Manny Machado gets hurt, taken out of the game. They're going to play him probably the next day, so he wants to scout. He wants to know if Manny's okay or it's going to be out week, so I don't have the game plan for him, right? Mm-hmm. And so he goes on to, you know, try to find Twitter, uh, Manny Machado injury, Manny Machado leg, like, and he can't find it anywhere. It's because of these rules, right? And so simple things like that where if you watch a UFC fight, like instantly you see what happened for injury, mm-hmm. right? And so that's how we need to grow. Like, it needs to be more accessible. You need to put these clips out there before. Like, we're not looking for just Manny Machado's walk-off, you know, and that's one post. We're looking at, like, how did one of the most famous baseball players get hurt? And you, yeah. can't, even, you can't even search on Twitter. It won't pop up. It's just like, oh, Manny Machado rolled his ankle on the base. You have to read it. You know what I mean? There's no clip. Yeah. And so that's just another great example of, like, we just need to let go. Like, baseball is a little outdated on a lot of things. So the more we could move with this, like, young crowd, you know, like, all these kids watch Twitch. Like, we need to stream our games on Twitch. Sign a deal with Twitch. Sure, That'd be great. So, like, just how we do for Apple TV Fridays, I'll have t- Twitch Tuesdays. We'll throw ten games on Twitch. Mm-hmm. They buy it. They're rich. We pay, and you stream ten games for free on Twitch. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Amazon Prime subscription. You're in. Subscribe to MLB. And so I pitch things like that, and, and I think that's going to help a lot eventually.
0: Yeah. So we've seen some growth, you know, like the with the viewership, and like you mentioned, Apple TV, YouTube TV, um, whatever that may be. But they're trying to also you know, make some new rules, right? The yeah. bang of the shift, the pitch clock. Do you think that that's good for baseball as well or I think you know, it's What's great. your view?
3: I think it's great. Back in the day you didn't need a rule, right? Nobody was shifting like this. Yeah. It just became outrageous. Yeah. So, even though their new rules sound like this is a terrible idea, well, that's how the game was played for like 70 straight years. Mm-hmm. The only reason why we're making these rules is because analytics got so crazy that we were turning we were turning in not name names. We were turning in hitter first terrible defensive infielders and putting them in the middle infielder when back in the day we grew up you have to be the most athletic most explosive yeah. most quick it was defense first then oh if you hit you hit mm-hmm. no we turned in 300 hitters that are 280 pounds and putting them in the middle infielder, like wait what because of analytics right mm. and so we're just making the rule to no let's bring back regular baseball um where we've done for 70 years until you guys got crazy with analytics and let's which is great i'm a big fan so all these rules are actually helping. And the pitch clock, no. For 70 straight years, if you look at the the pitchers, nobody was that slow. Yeah. The pitch clock is because we got away. We're trying to do so much scouting. So much like, so basically, it's just making baseball normal. Since it became so outrageous, now there are rules. So people are like, why are you making a new rule? Well, the rules not changing the game of baseball. That's how it used to be played. We're just making you play it a little bit old school again. You know what I mean? So all these rules are, are big and... You know, I've played with a million guys in the past five years who should be in the big leagues every day, best defenders. But guess what? They don't have a job because yeah. now we're taking the backup catcher who could hit 300 and being like, hey, just stand way out here in right field and we could get away with hiding you in the infield. It's like, wait, what? You're supposed to have the freaks out there. Yeah. And so now we're bringing back jobs to, like, you're going to have guys on your team who are glove guys. Where's that been lately? You know what I mean? Sure. There was no glove guys. Like David Eckstein would never be able to play in the big leagues right now. But now with the rule change, you can. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's a good infielder. Like so, we're bringing back actual jobs for guys who deserve big league time, and not just guys who know how to hit homers. You know what I mean? Sure. So I think it's brilliant. You know, I go through it. The rule changes are great. Um, I think it's going to grow the game. Bigger bases, great. You know cool. why we we're making bigger bases is because nobody steals. It's strikeouts as homers. So now we're bringing back athleticism. Like. Back in the day, catchers were stealing, you know what I mean? So now we're just forcing the game to be pure again, and that is what people fell in love with. And I think it's going to be
0: awesome. Sure. And then there's also, um, you know, obviously the DH in both leagues now. Every team's playing every team. So maybe that's a little bit different from, uh, well, obviously it's very different from the traditional sense. But do you like that how, you know, NL plays every AL team and, you know, DH on both sides? Like, Do you like that or do you like the traditional standard, what it was, you know, as recent as
3: two years ago? well if we're going to go the route with the dhs i pitch it to rob if we're doing that get rid of the leagues so turn it into the best however many we have let's just say what is it 14 teams the best 14 teams once they get to the playoffs playoff recede like every other sport so march madness if it's The top five teams in the ACC are one, two, and three. They're all going to be one seeds on different sides. They don't have to play each other. Don't penalize them for being in the same thing. Like if all the best teams in the AL East, let them all make it and then play off re-seed. Like if the NL Central is very weak, but that team wins their division, why should they get the number one seed? Mm -hmm. They don't have as many wins. They're clearly not as talented. All right, yeah, you won your division, get rid of divisions, you're in. Now you're a 10 seed. I don't care if you came in first and your division is weak, you know? so. If we're going to do that, we've talked like it's better for the game. Don't have Yankees be playing uh, the boss or Tampa Bay Rays in the first round cuz they're two of the best teams in the league, but now you're going to knock one out. That's not fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? So playoff reseed, if we're going to go that route, get rid of the divisions. Everyone's playing each other anyways. Don't play each other 16 times, play each other eight and then play the other side eight. Then play, you know what I mean? So we get rid of that, that's going to be more fun for the game. More cross-town rivals. We'll be playing the Cubs more. You know, Dodgers will be playing uh, uh, the Angels a lot more. You know what yeah. I mean? So like bring back the cities and then bring back who deserves to win. Like some number one seeds don't deserve to lose first round. Mm-hmm. This is plain and simple. So we go that route. If we're going to keep the DH, let's go back to playoff receding like NHL does, yeah. you know, like college basketball.
0: Yeah, so yesterday, I think it was The Athletic that put out a proposal of having, like, an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference. And honestly, I thought it made sense. Like, I'm a very I'm a traditionalist, so yeah. I liked, you know, having the no DH in the NL. But now, since it's here, I think, like, having the adaptation of, you know, having an Eastern and Western Conference is probably a better thing, um, you know, for the sport. So I think it's so interesting to see, like, how it's going to continue to evolve yep. as, as years go on. So.
2: Oh, for sure. So I think, and, it's if, and, if they kept, and if they kept divisions I- in a scenario like that, could you imagine a, a Phillies, Yankees, Mets, Red Sox? Division? Yeah, so sick, it's right? so, yeah. sick. It'd yeah. be so yeah. sick. It'd be it'd amazing. It'd be so cool. It's a short saw drive. Yeah, and you saw that dilemma with with the NL this year, where you know San Diego, the Mets, and the Dodgers were all in that, s- in that little pocket together. Yes. they they easily could have met uh, in the World it Series easily if, if you know you eliminate yeah, that. Yeah, that's
3: what I'm saying. It brings out like the best teams are going to play each other at the end. Like if you play off a you put on both mm-hmm. sides of the bracket. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because they're the same division doesn't mean they have to play right away. Them on separate sides let them meet in the, the world series if they're the best sure yeah
2: yeah it's interesting and you know joe you know, we really appreciate having you on but i, I want to switch gears a little bit right here um to, to a bit about your career um now you said before the, you came on the show that yeah you know we, we introduced ourselves as uh student broadcasters from st bonaventure and you know you kind of you kind of had, had heard about it yeah. you know, the small town being only in because uh, you have some experience out oh, yeah. western new york so why don't oh, you yeah. tell us about that
3: yeah, so, I mean, coming from a, a bigger college, right, you know, my first experience of pro ball was <laughs> the New York Penn League, and I got to to professional baseball going, wait, this is the pros? <laughs> like, I know there's minor leagues, but, like, no. I mean, every single game I had, we had way more people in the than the whole town. Like, you sure. know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. So, I mean, I I think that's the beauty of actually making it to the big leagues is going through the grind of the minor leagues, right? So, um and not only that, like it's good for the town. It brings in business, brings in money. Definitely. Um, but I still talk to the, to the to my host mom, who I live with. She owns a restaurant there in Attica. I stayed at her house in Attica, played in Batavia. Um, you know, she was my host mom. So I'd wake up, we'd go to the restaurant, get breakfast, go to the field, and she'd ha- make us all dinner f- dinner restaurant and bring it home after the game. So those are the kind of bonds that you have as a, as a minor leaguer. Um, and it, it's great. Like, I think uh, the New York Penn League is, is one of the best for that reason. Um, People say you're playing in New York, and then you tell them where you're at. They're like, "Wait, where? Where?" I think you're playing in New York. <laughs> like, no, we're way far away from Manhattan. Like, we're hours and hours and hours. <laughs> but they don't understand. So, um, I think uh, Western New York. I mean, sorry, yeah, Western New York. Um, it's kind of a hidden gem. It is. F- it's plush. It's beautiful. It's green. Um, Buffalo's great. Obviously, that's the biggest part over there. Uh, but all these little cities uh, are are awesome to me. Like. I mean, I remember staying in some college dorms at some of the some of the stadiums, you know, what I mean, like sure. guys live in the college dorms if they play for a certain team. Mm. Uh, so I think it's a, a special experience. And, you know, I'll, like I said, I still talk to my host mom this day from Attica, you know, obviously Attica is known for the state prison. Um, <laughs> so that, that that's pretty cool. And, and, and then you got minor league baseball.
2: That's, that's so interesting now. Um, i have uh, another quick question uh, for you as far as you know your, your career in, in the major leagues now i'm a huge yankee fan unfortunately yep. and i uh I, I remember very well the the old, the old scuffle and i oh, just yeah. wanted to ask uh you know when you when you look back at that one do you think you won and two what was that what was that like i mean I, i've always been very curious about what goes on because you, you know you see it from afar on tv in, in a scrum like that but What what kind of things are being thrown around in there? Like what what are guys doing? Are guys taking cheap shots? Are guys saying some crazy stuff? What 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 happens in that scenario?
3: There there will definitely be cheap shots. Um, It happens usually pretty quick. Obviously, Uh, they don't last very long. Um, But from that time right, we we had a talented team, and you know, there's moments in the season where either you know your team's gonna be able to bond and and win, and you know that you know that you won't. You know what I mean? Um, And so a situation like that happens and you know, it brings a team together even more. So I think after the fight happened, you know, we rattled off like 17-0. Se- we and 0. Yeah. Um, we ended up winning the World Series, having the best uh, record in, in uh, Red Sox history ever. Um, so it was one of those things that, you know, we became bonded for life over a, a, a fight, right? And um, ultimately kind of shot us towards winning the World Series. But, yeah, like I said, those things happen quick and um, – what would you say? If I won, I think I won. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, there's photos of me, like, making contact with the back of, you know, obviously Tyler Austin's head. And yeah. that was one of the main reasons why I got six-game suspension. Um, I fought with MLB's lawyers behind closed doors. It's in the book. Uh, you know, the, their, their main argument was he, the reason why I got six games is because I uh, made con- made contact, they said, when uh, the player was in a defenseless position right mm-hmm. and uh, even so though he my was the one who initiated it exactly so my argument goes defenseless like he ran towards me i was the defenseless one it's not my fault no. that you know i sidestepped and then he went down to the ground and i got a couple of hits in the back of the head. like i was initially defensive like what point are we saying defenseless um and you know and then they're telling me that like well i initiated it like i was like w- once again uh, there's never in the history been full-blown, 100% fact-proof that there's such thing as uh, telekinesis powers, right? So, like, how did I make him come? Like, a gesture? Like, he's got a brain. Was I, like, controlling him? Like, telekinesis? Like, come, like, and I made him come? No, he he came because I pissed him off. He, so, so that still was his choice. So, I mean, I just crushed their lawyers arguing, like, <laughs> if it was fair, TV was on trial, it wasn't, and the arbiters not paid off by MLB. Like it's, uh, They're MLB employees, right? These yeah. guys. Um, if it was a true third-party arbiter, like, I would have won, obviously, mm-hmm. but the reason why they do that is because any kind of on-field suspension, right? You still get paid. Okay. So if we didn't get paid, then it went to a real court. Then it's on you, win or lose. See if you get paid. Mm-hmm. But I would have been fine both cases. I would have won. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, one of those things. It's till this day that's uh, my favorite baseball. You know, Red Sox Yankees and uh, the rivalry in any of the sport. I believe um, it's uh, it's hectic, man. It's so hectic and. It, and it, Every game feels like a playoff game when you play them, so it's fun.
0: I can only imagine. But
3: now you're in Chicago uh, pitching for the White Sox. What are you looking forward to uh, this upcoming year? Uh, Personally, I haven't started the season on time in a few years. So, uh, number one, I'm healthy. I'll go in the season, full go. Um, And then uh, for team-wise, there's a lot of guys who we obviously underperform. We're talented. Um, A lot of guys are are bitter about it. um, And so we're kind of excited to come out of the gate, like not like kind of just – cruising into the season, filling it out. We're, we're coming in hot, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if our starter pitcher, our build up, we're, we're going out there, we're throwing them 100 pitches right away. We're not going to just go five innings or 60 pitches like every other team in the league does. Like, no, we're, we're going to kind of change the way we do, go old school and play fast, play hard, use our athleticism. You know, starter's going to throw 120 pitches first outing. Oh, well, he wants to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm excited for that where, you know, guys are, are, are kind of antsy to, you know, we messed up last year. We had talent. We kind of, like, Got off pace by just cruising into the season because of the lockout, like, oh, just take care of your body type thing. And then there was never urgency. So I think urgency and playing hard, playing fast um, as a unit is going to be really fun.
0: Sure. And then the last question uh, we got for you here today I know you're not pitching in, but the World Baseball Classic. Yep. Um, you know, in a few weeks, is that another avenue for baseball to maybe, you know, continue to grow the game? And oh I yeah. feel like this year's especially because a lot of great stars are playing yeah. in it, Um, You know, just how important is maybe this World Baseball Classic to continue to grow the game?
3: I think I think it's great. I, it's obviously when it first came out, everyone's like, oh, that's whack. Yeah. You're like, you're doing this, but like, as time goes on, it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, and more guys are saying yes. Um, and not only is it cool for, you know, baseball fans, there's gonna be people that might have like seen baseball, but say they see their country out there, say Venezuela, but they're like, uh, or say, let's just say Brazil. Uh, yeah like Venezuela they like soccer but like, soccer, yeah. but like uh, I, I don't watch baseball but now a world baseball class comes and they just see their country on the team they're like oh yeah now they're in so yeah. th- we're it's essentially creating fans that, that weren't there um, and then keeping the true baseball fan and then giving pride it's prideful like if yeah. you're if you're Mexican and living in southern california and mexico wins you're like yeah let's <laughs> go you know what i mean like you might not know some of the guys but it doesn't matter at that point you're going for the country yeah um i think it's a great idea and it like i said every four years like every whatever it is it's getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. which is cool yeah, yeah. sweet
2: that's, a, that's awesome well joe thank you so much for uh coming on the show here thanks i uh, think finally able appreciate to talk it Facebook, yeah man, like yeah it's great <laughs> it, was, it was a great opportunity. it's good to
3: mix it up yeah and thanks for having me on but yeah if you guys can you i mean pre-orders are available uh comes out like i said a damn near perfect game of the book a lot of cool things in it, a lot of famous people. Um, February 28th, great. but, yeah, definitely.
2: I'm looking forward to reading it. You guys should as well. Pick up a damn near perfect game February 28th. Joe, thank you guys thank so you. much for uh, for coming on the show. Yeah,
3: awesome, boys. Have fun here. Yeah, all right. Hope you have a great, great rest of your week. Thank you. This is Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City quarterback, and you're listening to The Buzz.
1: Want to hear the latest in sports? Listen into to the Director's Cut on Mondays from 6 to 8 p.m. only on WSBU 88.3 FM, The Buzz. Sports Directors Tyler Smith and Nathan Solomon talk all things NFL, NBA, and MLB. they will also recap the latest St. Montaventure men's and women's basketball games and news. Tune into The Director's Cut airing every Monday from 6 to 8 here on WSPU 88.3 FM, The Buzz. Jim's Parking Shop is a family-owned grocery store with all of your everyday needs and more. Jim's Park & Shop has an array of unique items, including Jim's Picks, which includes products that you can't find anywhere else in the Olean area. If you haven't tried them out already, one of their two-foot subs is a popular hit. You can check out some of their selection and get deli delivery to your door online at jimsparkandshop.com or visit the store on Front Street near Olean General Hospital. This is Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City quarterback, and you're listening to The Buzz.
0: We're back here on WSBU 88.3 FM, The Buzz. Seip and Smithy, Tom Seip, and Tyler Smith here on The Buzz just ahead of the pregame show for some St. Bonaventure women's basketball tonight at George Mason. Uh, We just got finished with a great interview with Chicago White Sox relief pitcher Joe Kelly. Um, You know, from afar, he's never played on any of the teams that I've been a fan of. Um, but, you know, I've always followed him because he's mm-hmm. a very, um, you know, outspoken character. Comical um, guy. A relief pitcher that, you know, a lot of people know. And, you know, if I'm being quite honest, it was incredible talking to him.
2: It was honestly, like, you look at, you know, last year and this year so far, one of the favorite interviews I've ever yeah, done. Yeah, it, it was really cool. He was a personable guy. He, wa- he really, really cares about his sport and, 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 you know, the progression and, you know, getting more viewers uh, on the TV for baseball in general. Um, so it was really great
0: to, to hear his insight on that and you know, a couple, couple cool tidbits about his career as well. Yes, yeah, and a very intelligent man. Yep. Um, you know, it, was, it was great having him here. I mean, we only asked him like six or seven questions. Oh, and yeah. It was a 31-minute interview. Very insightful. Um, and listen, I, like I said a few times, <laughs> it gave me an excuse to talk baseball, so yeah. I was very happy. That's, I mean, coming here this week, that's one thing I kept saying. I want to talk about baseball at least once, you and, c- know? and
2: kind of refreshing too. You know, like we, yeah. we have we have never ta- we've never talked about baseball um, yeah, as far as this week, and even you know, ninety nine percent of last year as well. I, I know we had Ryan Lavarnway on, but uh, you know, not not too much baseball talk is happening around here, and uh, with the World Baseball Classic and spring training coming
0: in a few weeks, uh, mm-hmm. it was it was a great opportunity to talk some ball. Yeah, most definitely, and. We're just going to wrap the show up very briefly um, by talking about LeBron James breaking the all-time scoring record in the NBA last night. History. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible that he did it last night. He needed 36 to do it, and he did it in three quarters. Dude got it easy man. Yeah, which was surprising. I mean, listen, I thought the script was set up perfectly. On, you know, so he did would, I. He would do it on Thursday mm-hmm. on TNT against Cream's former team. Yep. Uh, but he said, screw that, we'll just do it tonight, and just dominated um, you know, in the scoring margin, it's kind of funny. In the fourth quarter, he only had two points. Lakers only lost by uh, three. Yeah. Um, so he kind of like cold in the fourth. Yeah, he trash. Um, <laughs> can't score. No, <laughs> he's not a scorer. No, but in, in all seriousness, uh, you know, history. Broken last night at the Staples Center. Yeah. Or Crypto.com Arena.
2: Crypto.com Arena. Hey, we were there last year, man. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should you have remembered that. Um, no, yeah. Th- not not, not going to nag on LeBron too much like I like to do uh, typically. But t- he shot 13-20 last night. Pretty solid stuff. Um, you know, history was made, and it, it's one of those situations where, like, not only did he break the record, but he's going to break it by a pretty good margin when it's all said and done. I mean, I, I, I yeah. can't see a world where he's not averaging 25 points a game, and you know, playing the next three, four years at a hot, super, super high level. So this, this, is g- this gap is going to widen even more over the next few years. And don't, don't be afraid when uh, he comes up for that number one assists. Record as well and number one field goals made because the interesting part about Kareem is that he only made one th- One three-pointer sure. in his career. You That's know, what's so impressive. LeBron has quite a few three-pointers in his career <laughs> um, But Kareem only having one. I mean for part of his career There wasn't even a three-point line in the league So it, yeah a testament to him about how impressive that record
0: was and how it held up for 40 years. Yeah, you know It was great. I was talking to a few of my friends last night uh, on the phone, and they they brought it up, and they're like, "Yeah, you know what the best part was is that the Lakers lost the game." Yeah, that was awesome. That, that's a fun part of it. And we were going through a few, um, you know, times in sports history where a player mi- milestone has occurred, but like the team loses the game, yep. or like you know something in the world happens and the team loses the game. Um, you know, one of my friends brought it up. Um, you know, when Kobe Bryant passed away, the Lakers had such an emotional pregame, and then lost the next game. Mm-hmm. Or even in 2001, like the Yankees lost the World Series. Like there's times where you know something happens, and you expect like, oh, this story book ending, and it doesn't happen. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's, those are very two different examples, much more serious examples than mm-hmm. uh, you know last night the scoring. Uh, the scoring record.
1: Carter. Like, Carter Raymond likes to call
2: it the, spe- the special event theory. So oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's very cool.
1: I am a big fan of the special event theory. I'm <laughs> a very big fan of the special event.
0: Theory. So, so you're not shocked, Carter, that they lost last night. Oh, not at
1: all. No, I, I mean honestly. You should. I, I didn't necessarily think he was going to do it yeah. when he was going to do mm-hmm. it. I was going to.
3: Hammer the, the, other the team. Thunder, yes, the other team, okay. yes, exactly.
1: The Thunder at home, seriously? That's crazy. Come man. on.
2: And, and then we talked. You know, we talked about it yesterday in the wild card. Lakers are in 13th place in the West right now. Yes. Uh, just another loss st- that is putting them so deep in the gutter. But I want to yeah. mention right one thing before we, you know we hop off here is it was weird. They stopped the game in the middle of play with 10 yes. seconds left. You couldn't let the I clock don't know run why out. You're so shocked about this. I, no. I, I don't know. I, I, they stopped it. And you couldn't done it in between quarters. And Anthony Davis didn't no. get up. No.
0: Very very odd situation. The, the situation was when it happens, they stop the game immediately because that's bigger than the regular season game, which I do understand. So it was just bad timing that it happened with, what, 13 seconds left in the third quarter? Yeah. Can't let the time go out. That's what they were told to do. That's what was going to happen. And it wouldn't have happened any other way. I mean, imagine LeBron, you know, ran back with his hands up, like, oh, finally, you know. And then there's, you know. Okay, so he comes down, scores a layup. Like, it's just not going to happen, okay? Yeah, like, they like had to stop. Crazy. Yeah, like, what? Like, he's celebrating, and then, like, Lou Dort <laughs> throws down the dunk right before the buzzer. Like, dude, that wasn't going to happen. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I, I, I see that. I see It, that. it happened with Curry last they year. Stopped like, Curry. Yeah, they stopped point. it with Curry. They stopped it with Curry. that was in the middle of the game. You yeah, know, I feel like yeah. it's even worse. So.
1: What if he did it on a free throw?
0: Oof. That's what Kobe did. That's what Kobe did when he, uh, when he broke the Laker record. Oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah he did break the Laker record. In Minnesota.
2: But they didn't um, – did they stop the game
0: for that? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. In Minnesota I, – I, I believe I'm correct. I could be wrong. Um, but in Minnesota, he broke – I think it was the Lakers record. He broke a record at the free throw line in Minnesota. I, I do remember that. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. But I, I was just shocked they did it in three quarters. Uh, that's, that's what I was most shocked about. And it was funny um, – you know, obviously we're in Mountain Time, so uh, the game was later. And once we got wrapped up with Radio Row, we went back to the hotel for a few minutes. I scrolled through TikTok for like two minutes. And the <laughs> one of the only TikToks I saw was like, you think LeBron's breaking the scoring record the 36th night against Lou Dort?" And it was like a video of Lou Dorr, like defending him really well and LeBron throwing an air ball. I was like, oh, yeah, there's no way it happens tonight. Yep. <laughs> and they did it in three quarters. Bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Special event, man. They, did, they knew it. But, uh, but that will do it. Uh, here from day number three. That's kind of crazy, I feel like. It, it has
2: been going fast.
0: I keep wanting to say day number two, but it's day number three. It feels like a Tuesday. Here on Super Bowl Radio Row in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, incredible stipend. The episode today I was pretty much joined by <laughs> Joe Kelly yeah. for the vast majority Co-hosted of the hosted by Joe Kelly. Yeah, so, so it was a good time uh, here in Phoenix today. So stick with us. So coming up next here on The Buzz is Women's Basketball St. Bonaventure at George Mason. That game will tip off in just a few minutes with Michael Jagger Sites on the call for play-by-play on The Buzz. And then following the conclusion of the game, we are back on air from Radio Row with the wild card beginning at approximately 9 o'clock. So for Tyler Smith, I'm Tom Seip saying so long from Seip and Smitty on... WSBU 88.3 FM A